1: now
2: gonna love
4: winning good evening everyone and welcome back to another exciting episode of red pill news live hope you guys are having a great day A little bit of humor there in the chat. The world is not ending, at least not in my opinion. Although, you never know, it is an election year. A little bit early for an October surprise, but hey, I wouldn't put it past them. So, a lot of people do not have internet still. There are outages all across the country. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about some new revelations coming out of Jim Biden's testimony yesterday. Jim Biden, the Fredo of the Biden family. I know that's kind of funny because I think Biden's the Fredo of the Biden family. It's basically a family of Fredos, bumbling idiots who waltz their way into a series of corrupt actions. Internet, cell phone service, a whole bunch of things. Certain systems, even. And in a lot of places, the Internet and the cell phone service are directly connected. Now, I have fiber Internet here. So, uh, you know, that might be why I don't have to worry. It was initially reported as being carrier specific, but a lot of the network infrastructure is shared amongst carriers. So happening all over. But sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and we're going to be right back after a special word from the sponsor of today's program. And that is, once more, Blessed by Rosie Damore. I have to tell you once more about the sponsor, Rosie Damore. She's the author of this book, Blessed, Reclaiming My Life from the Horrors of Ritual Abuse. This is a a powerful book, you guys, that details a pretty rare firsthand account from a victim who experienced just some really traumatic things. Obviously, a lot of people who experience ritual abuse, satanic ritual abuse, they don't live to tell the tale or they don't want to talk about it. The ones who do come out the other side, they're quite often so traumatized they're unable to. And then, of course, there's also the issue of survivors, uh, you know, once they do come out and speak about it, they tend to get criticism and uh, their their entire story is discredited by the same sorts of people who engage in this behavior. But the truth is because of uh, the importance of this work, this is why they have to diminish it. This is why they have to try to discredit anybody who comes out and speaks about this. There are undoubtedly powerful forces that are working behind the scenes to bury any stories like this that might make it out. So, when you read this book, just a quick warning, it's not going to be a bedtime story. Like I said, these are horrors that occurred and so horrible that Rosie uh, ended up experiencing disassociative memory loss. And of course, it's heartbreaking because it's Rosie's own family. Uh, it's her parents that put her into this position. And uh, the abominations that she endured are, are not for the faint of heart. Now, I've said this before. I wanted Rosie to come on the show because I think this is a powerful story, but she basically exhausted all of her courage in getting it down on paper, and she does not want to be public. In fact, Rosie Damore is a pen name. That's not her her real legal name, but She knows that the world needs to know about what happened to her so that at best we can try to make sure that it never happens to anyone else ever again. So at the end of the day, this book is a must read. It's a good book for anybody who, who may doubt the horrors of satanic ritual abuse. And then of course, it's also a good book for people who want to raise awareness about it. But it's going to make you angry because of the cruelty that you're going to read about. However, at the end of the day, this book is about healing. Rosie wrote this book so that she could heal and she can move on with her life. So you can get blessed right now for a special low price just for the viewers of Red Pill 78. They're going to raise the price after that initial period run but just click the link in the description of this video if you want to get a copy of it Uh, and I want to say thank you once more to Rosie for sponsoring the program and then also, of course, for having the courage to come forward and speak about what she endured and let's make sure that satanic ritual abuse and any type of ritual abuse doesn't happen to any children ever again. All right, so guys, thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad to see that so many of you still have internet. You're still able to connect. Uh, We've heard a lot of stories, or at least I have. I'm going to be talking about them in a few moments. But first, I wanted to give a big shout out to my buddies at Rise Attire because they were able to, head to the tarmac yesterday when President Trump arrived on Trump Force One and they actually met the president. They got him to uh, to sign one of their T-shirts. Let's go ahead and uh, and take a look at this video, because this was a once in a lifetime. President Trump now has the contact information for Rise Attire. I hope that he sees the shirt that we did for the uh Ultra MAGA Trump. I hope that he enjoys all of the awesome merchandise they have. You can also, of course, pick up your Ultra MAGA President Trump gear directly from Rise Attire. And uh, they also have, obviously... All of the other incredible designs that they did, I'm now going to pass out the link to the Ultra Maga collection. And from there, you can get to all of the other incredible designs that our friends at Rise Attire did. So, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I'm so proud of them. That is the coolest thing. Uh, let me just refresh the uh, the Twitter and the getter feeds over here so that I can get... Ah, shoot. And I just realized I forgot to update the information over there on getter. Maybe that's why the stream's not working. So let me just uh, go ahead and do that. And then we'll get the link passed out over there as well. So boom, Ah, I can't, can't believe I forgot to do that guys. All right. Here is the ultra MAGA link, which again will take you to rise the tire and uh, all of their awesome designs. So check them out. Big ups to them. They're awesome people. Alright, you guys, uh, don't look now, Zach, but there's a solar flare disguised as an EMP standing right behind you. Ah! Watch out, guys! Watch out! I, um. <laughs> Oh, it is uh, – it's, it's a good day. It's a good day, guys. So at the same time that the internet and, and cellular service has mysteriously gone out, uh, we also seem to have uh, a, uh, an AI running amok. Brad and I talked about this a little bit last night, but Google recently released their own artificial intelligence uh, 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 algorithm program that allows you to make uh, the images, okay, of whatever you want except the thing is that they made it super woke, which you would probably expect from a company like Google. So how woke is it? Well, here was an image that someone tried to uh, produce of George Washington or perhaps a founding father. And you can see it's a it's a black gentleman. Uh, now, it is uh, appropriate in every other way. But People figured this out yesterday, and I had actually talked about this several weeks ago. I was trying to get it to uh, show depictions of the horrors of communism. It refused to. However, it was more than happy to show depictions of the horrors of capitalism. So yesterday, Google's AI, Gemini, was found to be giving inaccurate responses when people would ask for historically specific Images And it basically proves that Google has trained this AI to be as woke as it possibly can be. Uh, You were getting pictures of, like, a female pope, uh, black Vikings, gender-swapped versions of paintings and photographs here. Actually, let me show you real quick what I was able to get it to produce yesterday. That's the wrong one. Hang on. Uh, So this is going to be... Gemini. Where is my Gemini? Um, hmm. Let's see. Oh, here it is. There we go. Okay, so take a look at this. Uh, I had asked for a picture of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, and I I got a fairly accurate, although it looks like some of them are non-binary, so, but I couldn't be certain. So then I asked for a picture of an American general, and you can see I got a, I got a couple of different images, all of uh, people of color. You've got an Asian woman in uh, her dress attire. You've got a Native American, in dress attire. You've also got a black woman with a very large hat uh, saluting and then some, I don't know, maybe Pakistani or perhaps uh, just a vaguely brown person. And then also another woman like that. Now, the only Caucasian we have is these two guys shaking hands and uh, he's obviously in his fatigues. Now, y- you you don't wear your ribbons and your regalia medals and stuff like that when you're wearing your fatigues uh, only with your dress attire. But if you take a look they all appear to be all the people of color appear to be just decorated to the hilt like these are people uh who have clearly done a lot of good for the country you know they're heroes because they've got all of these ribbons like almost like a, a an, an African like junta or something like that some military dictatorship this is what you expect to see in uh, I don't know uh, Gaddafi's Libya or something like that but if you take a look here we had specifically asked it to produce uh, a pictures of a happy European couple, which most Europeans uh, natively are going to be Caucasian. Every single image is either mixed race, or even the Caucasian people have kinky hair, uh, which indicates that they also might be mixed race. But you have like you know a a, a a black couple. You've got a black and a white, black and a white, black and a white. Uh, not exactly what you would expect to see if you were just looking at a, an average person from that area. So take a look here. You've got uh, a female pope, which doesn't exist, and then you've got uh, what appears to be a, a black pope as well. Now, there are black bishops and stuff, but uh, there hasn't been a female and there hasn't been a black pope in existence yet. So here are some depictions of the founding fathers at the signing of the Constitution. And every single one of them has been race swapped. Uh, and, of course, there were no women at the signing of the Declaration of Independence. But you can see that this AI is doing everything in its power to not depict accurate pictures of the founding fathers. Here's some more that people were able to get. Uh, clearly, there, there weren't any black people. There weren't Native Americans at the signing of Declaration of Independence. There also definitely weren't any Asians. Uh, but uh, this this one is uh, obviously a little bit more realistic because you got a couple of pictures of uh, George Washington. Here, someone asked for founding fathers. And again, we have a Native American, an Asian, a black man, and then someone else with brown skin. This one was particularly hilarious to me because of my own European heritage. Uh, I, I, I know quite well the people who came to early America from Europe. And Vikings, uh, you know, the, the, the warriors of those eras, they, they weren't black, they weren't Asian, but they asked for Vikings, and you've instead got some sort of uh, a Mongol, maybe like a Genghis Khan-type figure, and then again, several people of color. This one is one of the most funny. You've got a – you've got – someone asked for, for Nazi SS officers, Waffen SS officers, and it gave multi-ethnic – uh, officers of the SS. So here you have an Asian SS officer. Uh, I don't know. This guy looks like he might be uh, from uh, 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 Sub Saharan Africa. Uh, here is a black SS officer. And uh, this one kind of looks like Putin. Isn't that funny? Uh, these guys look th- like they might be Algerian as well. But just so many interesting uh, depictions of people that don't make any sense, that just did not exist historically now some of these have been deleted uh google was immediately embarrassed and they attempted to update this uh live yesterday somebody else did a 1943 german soldier and again you've got a an asian woman you've got one caucasian you've got another that appears to be like a native american woman then of course a, a black man as well um So funny. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, Somebody had joked around that Google was depicting uh, vanilla pudding as the chocolate variety, but that wasn't it either. But regardless, once people caught on to this, it was just Google getting roasted all night and uh, they were not happy about it. No matter what they tried, they were unable to correct this on the fly. So now you can't even make images with Google Gemini. They've put a 100% pause on Google Gemini. And even if you wanted to, you would be unable to get any sort of images. It's going to take them uh, quite a bit of work to put this right. Uh, and I, I can only imagine that the inaccuracies that they've programmed into it with their woke reference material, uh, this might mean that Google has to start fresh, like from the ground up. They said, we're already working to address recent issues with Gemini's image generation feature. While we do this, we're going to pause that uh, so people can then uh, re-release an updated version soon. So this statement uh, from their Wednesday announcement announcement also said we're aware that Gemini is offering inaccuracies in some historical image generations. Uh, there, the 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 image generation does generate a wide range of people, and that's generally a good thing because people around the world use it. But it's obviously missing the mark right here. Uh, now, this to me is the perfect summation of the infection of woke left-wing radical ideology uh, in artificial intelligence and the Internet in general. You know, I'm sure you guys remember a couple of years ago, if you were to go to Google and you were to search for a happy white couple, you would largely only find images of African-Americans or black people uh, or perhaps mixed-race couples. You could not get Google to give you a search result for a happy white caucasian european couple uh, and that's because of course they had gone way too far to the left in trying to force this diversity the idea of diversity equity and inclusion in every single aspect but i'm really happy they did this because it's in another way taken the mask off of just how far to the left these things have gone you know there's nothing wrong with a diverse culture Uh, What's wrong is when they start forcing it upon you and they start artificially creating a world that doesn't exist. There were no black Waffen officers. There were no female Asian Waffen officers.
1: Order now FighterFlare.com
4: with admitting to ourselves that people of different ethnic backgrounds historically come from particular areas of the world. The sort of generalized uh, uh, genetic mongrelization of the earth uh, has been pushed upon us by the elites of the New World Order because they want to erase everyone's specific genetic heritage – they don't want us to be able to identify any one particular culture or any one particular uh, skin color. They want us to have no background. They want us to have no history, because if we don't have a history, then we won't know how to fend off the attacks that are going to come in the future. And. By creating this homogenization of the world's DNA, uh, we will forever be at each other's throats because they'll be forcing different peoples upon each other. And it, it'll be exactly how it was uh, hundreds of years ago when a stronger culture would come into contact with a weaker culture. The stronger culture would overcome the weaker con- the, the weaker culture is then erased and they want there to be just a, an all third world world they want everyone to be sort of this homogenized uh, generalized people of color and then of course they will be the new slave owners in this digital hellscape jim kyle says canadian tv have multiracial couples or binary people as their stars yes they do and i would say the same thing is happening here in america right now as well if you go to india you're going to see a homogenous culture. You're going to see a, a Indian people in an Indian program uh, in a Bollywood movie. You're not going to see a forced representation of a, a perfect ratio of a brown, yellow, uh, gay, non-binary. You're not going to see that. But that's one of the reasons that people have rejected Hollywood and modern programming. I saw a funny report coming out earlier today that – Older television programs are getting better ratings than the new left-wing radical drivel that they're trying to force down people's throats. It's made it very easy for me to not watch television or to not watch any of this sort of programming because I can see the messaging in all of it. And again, I feel this is a good thing because it has helped people to turn away from that indoctrination and the programming. Definitely starve them. Starve these companies of your viewership. Do not patronize them or do not give your patronage to them. And perhaps, perhaps they will then get the picture and start creating programming that actually represents the people who are watching it. Um, What's funny is that uh, I saw a uh, a, a, a demonstration that was done in a uh, uh, in a college class. And uh, the, the, they were examining um, uh, advertisements from the Super Bowl. And the racial diversity and makeup of those advertisements uh, were specific to the audience that they thought was going to be watching the Super Bowl. And uh, they want to represent every, every culture, every skin color, except for Caucasians. They don't want to represent Caucasians in any sort of sense. Uh, and clearly, I believe it's backfiring. So no matter what race you are, no matter what country your ancestors herald from, I want you to be proud of who you are and what you are. And then on top of that, continue to be proud to be an American. We need to preserve American culture in the same way we need to preserve our original European or Asian or African cultures, because those cultures provide the foundation for who and what we are as a nation. They want to erase them and then they want to erase America next. And I'm simply not going to be a party to that. All right. So yesterday, you guys, we had spoken a little bit about the release of the special counsel transcript. Um, the Congress, uh, the oversight committees of the Congress, they had requested that uh, special counsel Robert Hur and the Department of Justice release to them uh, the entirety of those transcripts. And of course, the White House was also toying with the idea of releasing them to the public. Now, I had said previously, I think that's a bad idea for Joe Biden if they're trying to make him uh, look good in any sense, it won't. So in that respect, please release them. I'm interested in reading them. And of course, the Congress is interested in reading them as well, because they're investigating the obvious, clear double standard that exists uh, in terms of the application of the law uh, for either the right or the left. There appears to be one set of rules for conservatives, certainly for Donald Trump, and then an entirely different set of rules as applied to the political left and, of course, the elites in Washington, D.C. So uh, allegedly, even though the special counsel's transcript has yet to be released, I don't believe Congress has gotten it as well. There are people who are familiar with the investigation who are speaking out. It appears that Joe Biden had outright refused to answer several questions that Robert Hur had given him in written interrogatories. Now, this is specifically related to those black notebooks that uh, Joe Biden had taken notes while he was in the White House, likely with Barack Hussein Obama during these presidential daily briefings, I would imagine, or perhaps in the midst of other uh, top secret or classified conversations. And now Joe Biden, it's being revealed that he refused to answer questions outright to the special counsel. Um, I thought that presidents didn't have the uh, the luxury of immunity. Uh, They've now just decided in court that President Trump, as president, didn't have any sort of immunity. They forced President Trump's own cabinet members and his aides to testify. Because, of course, they say he didn't have any immunity. So what kind of special consideration should Joe Biden receive? If the special counsel was investigating crimes by Joe Biden, then he should have been forced to answer every single one of those questions. Now, obviously, this is a facetious question that I'm asking. But Joe Biden refused to answer questions uh, on whether or not he knew these black notebooks that he had taken after he left the Obama White House contained any specified classified information or whether or not he had any authorization to keep this classified material as vice president. I can answer that question for you. Uh, It's no. Joe Biden did not have any sort of authorization as vice president of the United States. As vice president, anyone, whether it's Mike Pence, Joe Biden, Al Gore, None of them would have the authorization to hold on to that classified material or to take it with them when they leave the office of the vice presidency. And Joe Biden knew that Joe Biden's legal team had obviously apprised him of the fact that his classified document scandal was far worse uh in in practice and theory than anything related to Donald Trump. Now, you ask. What would happen if President Trump refused to answer questions to the special counsel? Well, of course, he would be charged with obstruction. But again, we have a different set of rules when it's applied to the political left or the political right. So. That 345-page report that was released by Robert Hur that represents only a portion of the investigation. And if you've had the time to read it, then you might have uh, had questions about why they didn't ask this or why they perhaps didn't ask something else or, or take a, uh, a certain line of research. Well... It's likely that they attempted to. But Joe Biden, in his uh, ultimate position as emperor of the uh, United States of America, or perhaps the the altered states of America, uh, Joe Biden refused to answer those questions. He knew exactly what would happen if he would answer them. That would mean that he would be forced to admit to some criminal culpability. And as it stands, when he had his press conference where he forgot Uh, Not only uh, uh, the the president of of Egypt and the president of Mexico got them mixed up. He also forgot where his son Bo's rosary had come from at the same time he was trying to convince people that, of course, he knew when his son died. Joe Biden looking bad, but his entire excuse was that it was his staff. Joe Biden never intentionally took these materials joe biden never intentionally held on to these materials or shared classified materials with anyone who wasn't authorized to receive it we know that's not true though uh here take a look at these pictures from that special counsel's report This is the infamous garage where Joe Biden kept his Corvette. Uh, This was taken on December 21st, 2022. Joe Biden's Delaware garage that is laden with classified material. Oh, here is a, a broom closet, a storage closet at the Penn Biden Center, where, of course, Chinese Communist Party members would have had access to Joe Biden's Broom closet full of classified material. Here's that file cabinet in the basement of his Virginia home. Uh, Here you can see it's laden with classified materials overflowing, you might say. Uh, And then, of course, here is another view from the den. But Robert Hur found that Joe Biden willfully retained this information, regardless of what Joe Biden said in that press conference. Uh, he had classified information, not only that he kept when he had no authorization, but that he also shared with his biographer, someone who also did not have the authorization. These are those notebooks. Now, these notebooks held seriously top secret and classified information, and Joe Biden did not have them locked up. They were in unauthorized containers in his home. I don't even know how many pages uh, of classified information is in here. And of course, they haven't revealed exactly what it was that Joe Biden was attempting to conceal. But we had 37 excerpts from classified material eight of them are top secret with sensitive compartmentalized information the skiff material that never should have been able to leave that compartmentalized room that they go into Uh, six of those notebooks are top secret 21 are secret and two are confidential joe biden also kept marked classified documents inside those binders so there is absolutely no excuse for the fact that he had them. It wasn't like someone had put classified material onto a, you know, a document that had, you know, compiled different pieces of information. These are documents that have a clear stamp right up at the top. Uh, now, of course, the, the question that Robert Hur most should have been able to have answered, uh, is, mm, Why did you think you needed to take this information or what gave you the authority to take this information? Uh, And of course, Joe Biden is never going to answer that. So the special counsel wrote that Joe Biden declined to answer several questions about whether he believed his notes contained classified information. He knew they did. He couldn't answer that because otherwise he would have been placing himself in legal jeopardy. Whether he believed he was authorized to possess classified information after his vice presidency, he would not answer. Whether he took steps to avoid writing classified information in his notebooks, he would not answer because the answer to all of these uh, is going to look bad for Joe Biden. And, of course, the Department of Justice will not bring any charges against Joe Biden because he's a classified. Excuse me. He's a sympathetic doddering old fool, an elderly man with a poor memory, uh, a man who is uh, light years beyond his actual physical age. Joe Biden may only be in his mid 70s, mid to late 70s. Uh, But he has the mental faculties of a man many decades older than him. Donald Trump may be just a couple of years behind Joe Biden. And compared to a man of 45, he may be older. He may have more years on him. But Donald Trump has the mental acuity of a man many decades younger than him. Compared to Joe Biden... Donald Trump is a baby fresh out of the womb in terms of the neuroplasticity that he has. Donald Trump uh, is a completely different being. Joe Biden is near death. Okay, there's no other way to put it. He's near death. His brain is no longer functioning in the way that it should. And of course, we'll never have these questions answered unless a new administration steps into Washington, D.C., and they force Joe Biden to answer for his crimes. All right, so here is a story that I have been dying to complete with you guys. Um, Something really scary happened in New York City. They were attempting to give illegal aliens the ability to vote. Um, And this actually was passed by New York City government. And, of course... Patriots in New York City, they fought it tooth and nail, and it ended up eventually in the appeals court. And thank God the appeals court has had a uh, a, a, they've taken the right decision. There's no other way to put it. So this is a groundbreaking decision by the Supreme Court of the state of New York in the appellate division, second judicial department. They've fully overturned a New York City law that would have allowed non-citizens to vote in municipal elections. So this ruling was released just yesterday, and of course, it's going to affect quite a few illegals and non-citizens. In the original incarnation, we were looking at potentially 800,000 votes. These would be legal residents who are not citizens. It could be illegal aliens. It could be dreamers. Clearly, the city of New York wanted to get this on the books. They wanted to allow these people to vote Democrats back into office. And then, of course, the decision would have then been duplicated by left wing governments throughout the country, and they would have used it as an opportunity to increase the voter rolls. Now, you know, there's nothing that makes me believe that these people may not already be voting as it is because the voter rolls are dirty as all get out. These people are probably finding a way to put their thumb on the scales of the electoral system here in the United States. But with as many millions of people, I think I read that the full uh, um, estimated number of illegals that have entered the United States under Joe Biden is somewhere around 36 million um, and I could be wrong, you know, feel free to correct me in the chat, but that's just the number that I I seem to have uh, be remembering right now. I mean, in New York, if we're just talking about the dreamers and legal residents that are not citizens, you know, it's close to a million. Certainly now it is many, many more millions when you include all of the illegal alien invaders that Joe Biden has allowed to come in simply uh, as a result of their sanctuary city status. Um but this decision is now upholding the decision of a lower court, the Staten Island Supreme Court. And the ruling, uh, which Mayor Eric Adams and the city council had attempted to overturn, they were doing everything they could to make sure illegals had the power to vote. Uh, it is uh, certainly a win for sovereignty of American citizens. It's a win for the Constitution. It is a rebuke of the radical left-wing policies that Democrats all over the country are trying to put into place. So the local law created a new class of voters called municipal voters. This would have given these illegal residents or these legal residents but not legal citizens Uh, The entitlement to vote in municipal elections for the offices of mayor, public advocate, comptroller, borough president and council member. That would have been the initial phase. And then you guys know they would have eventually attempted to get them to vote in state and federal elections as well. Of course, it's not constitutional. It's, fat, it's it's patently illegal, but that doesn't stop them. But the law defines a municipal voter as a person who is not a United States citizen on the date of the election on which he or she is voting. So this criteria would have been used to determine who they would have allowed to vote. Number one, they are either a lawful permanent resident or authorized to work in the United States. Think of some, how many people are here with uh, visas just to to work at a, a company or do something like that. Uh, Number two, they would also have to be a resident of New York City and have been a resident for 30 consecutive days. All you got to do is show up for a month Uh, and then three. They've got to meet all the qualifications for registering or pre-registering to vote under the election law, except for possessing United States citizenship. And who has registered or pre-registered to vote with the Board of Elections in the city of New York under this chapter? So this uh, the the uh, the the argument uh, against this centered on an interpretation of Article two, Section one. And Article 9 of the New York State Constitution. And that is in a reference to what is billed as citizens. So the decision is, uh, has been released in a 43 page document. Uh, and it goes into the intricacies of these legal arguments pre- as presented by, by both sides. Uh, the defenders and then of course the interveners, the people who are trying to uphold the Constitution of not only New York, but also, uh, the Constitution of the United States of America. Um, The judge said this, we determined that this local law was enacted in violation of the New York State Constitution and municipal home rule law and thus must be declared null and void. So all of the judges concurred that the state constitution explicitly defines the right to vote as pertaining to citizens only. They reference Article 2, Section 1, that grants voting eligibility exclusively to citizens Citizens are the only people who are allowed to vote under the Constitution, not only of the United States of America, but also certainly under the constitutions uh, or founding documents that you're going to find in every state across the country. However, that has never stopped this lawless regime from attempting to enact things that are clearly illegal. We see it happening on a daily basis. But this was a huge win for the people of New York, and in a larger sense, for the people of America. Because as I said, they would have attempted to try to roll this out all over the country, and it would have been disastrous. It would have disenfranchised and diluted the votes of us, we the people of the United States of America. Okay, so let's talk about this potential threat that we're facing today, because it all started with at and T cellular customers. But that expanded out to Verizon and T-Mobile also getting hit by cellular outages all across America. Um, I guess that uh, some people were unable to even call 911 or to use their device at all, not just for calls, but also for the Internet. And obviously, calls and Internet, they all run on the same cellular networks. Now, I said that there is some sharing of Internet infrastructure in certain cities, although you may have a different carrier, uh, that infrastructure may have been built out by another carrier who existed before your current carrier. So what happens when you have uh, infrastructure in place and, you know, it used to be everybody had to have their own towers, but now. Uh, because everybody runs off of the GSM network. Largely, I think CDMA has gone away. Uh, it allows them to all share the infrastructure and, you know, well, what good would it be if you're going to be duplicating it? So you will have some duplication, uh, but in, in certain places, it's going to be predominantly owned and operated by one carrier or another. Now, you can see here it appears to be uh, largely initially happening uh, in Atlanta, also in South Carolina, which is interesting because – oh, no, I'm sorry. I think that might be uh, – no, no. Well, it's it's in that region of the country. But uh, lots of outages throughout, uh, throughout Texas and then uh, also in uh, Alabama and Georgia as well. But thousands of people experiencing outages beginning this morning. So their home internet and mobile phone services were all out. Um, the reason that people are speculating this could have been a cyber attack or, you know, even a solar flare or an EMP or something like that uh, is because of the number of people that were affected by it. Now, I- I've told you guys this before, but there is a website called Down Detector. If you go to downdetector.com, you can see if a particular website or a service or a service provider is having a, a series of outages, and it'll tell you how many people roughly have been affected by it. But it began this morning around 4 a.m. Eastern Time, and it affected uh, cellular customers on Verizon, T-Mobile, and U.S. Cellular, and Cricket as well, which is part of AT&T. So... Uh, The most significant number of users, I guess, were reported by uh, AT&T customers. It sparked at about 32,000 people uh, right around 4.30 a.m., but it was up to 71,000 that had no service by 8 a.m. So... AT&T has said that they were working on it. Uh, it looks like some customers, even though AT&T claimed to have fixed it, their phones were stuck in SOS mode, which is uh, the uh, emergency, um, uh, emergency mode, which only allows you to make emergency calls. But even 911 centers were unable to receive calls. So this bled out from the cellular carriers into the actual physical locations. The 911 call centers, which should be still connected to the physical backbone of the Internet, not dependent on cellular uh, on its own. So this is, again, why people were thinking that it might be some sort of cyber attack, because um, it it it. it It was not happening in an isolated area. It was happening in what seemed to be a fairly widespread area. Now, as far as I know, the FCC has not commented on it, and I don't believe that the United States government has commented on it. It looks like it's still um, relatively defined by the uh, entities that we've spoken about before. Here's another indication that this might be some sort of cyber attack as well. I guess that pharmacies across the entire United States have been unable to access their own networks. Uh, Change Healthcare, which is a healthcare technology provider based in the U.S., has itself fallen victim to a cyber attack. And this, I believe, is over and above the infrastructure outages that we saw beginning this morning. So this has led to their customers um, uh, having to face widespread delays in prescription processing, At their pharmacies nationwide. So they're owned by United Healthcare Group. I used to have them as an insurance provider, but then my doctor stopped accepting them. So thank God I don't have United anymore but they're pretty critical they're they're fairly widespread uh in terms of healthcare infrastructure uh they facilitate the processing of orders and payments for patients and doctors all across the country but this cyber attack was first detected in their east coast network early yesterday morning and it caused widespread connectivity and uh and, and outages uh for their customers severely disrupting the fairly normal operations at pharmacies all across America so that means that people were unable to get their prescriptions, um, you know, perhaps they were inconvenienced for a short period of time, uh, or maybe they were even unable to fill their prescriptions at all. Uh, and of course, that's scary because a lot of people uh, in America are taking very, very vital and necessary medications that in some cases may be keeping them alive. And uh, if you need your medication on a given day and you're unable to receive it, well, obviously, I'm sure everybody here has been in that position before. For some people, depending on the type of medication, it can be quite uncomfortable. Even if it's a non-narcotic or a non anxilotic uh, if it's uh, you know, a medication that is regulating a system or multiple systems in your body, you can begin to experience withdrawals and some really uncomfortable feelings as a result of it. So we were updated about 11 a.m. this morning. Change Healthcare is still experiencing a cybersecurity issue. So their IT department is working on it nonstop. But they said once we became aware of this outside threat, in the interest of protecting our partners and patients, they took immediate action to disconnect our systems to prevent any further impact. They were trying to isolate it to the systems that had up until that point uh, been compromised. So at this time, we believe the issue is specific to change health care and all of our other systems across United are operational. The disruption is expected to last throughout the day and they will provide more information as they receive it. Uh, so uh, we don't know if this is connected to the physical outages that we saw through AT&T and these other providers, but it certainly is a coincidental Uh, situation to be happening all at the same time. Now, I also want to discuss the possibility of it not necessarily being a terrorist attack, but what if this is a coordinated outage that's designed to perhaps take advantage of some crisis or another? I think back to event 201 and then the onset of the coronavirus pandemic. Well, it looks like the World Economic Forum very recently predicted major cyber security attacks – That would be coming in the near future, kind of uh, sort of like the World Health Organization predicting disease X. And then, of course, a couple of months ago, we had that Obama movie, Leave the World Behind, which detailed some sort of uh, electrical outage, uh, a breakdown in communications and uh, Internet and computer systems, which, of course, led to mass panic and some sort of apocalyptic event. And then today we have this nationwide outage. Um Let's see. I wanted to specifically talk about this World Economic Forum exercise. It was just last month, just in January. Uh, They were discussing geospatial instability and increasing the risk of cyber catastrophic cyber attacks. So they made a prediction about an event that would be happening in the near future. Uh, Actually, I'm sorry. This appeared in January of 2021. Let's go ahead and pull that up
6: has shaken our economies and societies to the core and shown us how vulnerable we are to biological threats. In the digital world, similar risks are being overlooked right now. A cyber attack with COVID-like characteristics would spread faster and further than any biological virus. Its reproductive rate would be around 10 times greater than what we've experienced with the coronavirus. To give you an idea, one of the fastest worms in history, the 2003 Slammer Sapphire Worm, doubled in size approximately every 8.5
4: a coronavirus like cyber attack. Oh my god, come on. Okay, so obviously at this time they were working to uh to to scare people as much as possible. But I'll be the first to tell you that our infrastructure here in the United States is highly at risk, and especially when you recognize how many terrorists have been able to come through that southern border as a result of Joe Biden's open open borders policies. Um if they wanted to instigate a cyber attack or a grid, a physical grid attack on U.S. infrastructure by allowing terrorists to come through and then essentially orchestrating a false flag in that fashion. They totally could. And right now would be the perfect time because it's obviously an election year uh, and it could potentially allow for Joe Biden to suspend certain civil liberties and perhaps even the election. So I'm going to complete this video here.
6: Infecting over 75,000 devices in 10 minutes and almost 11 million devices in 24 hours. Fortunately, at least until now, cyber attacks have not impacted our health the way pandemics have. But the economic damages and therefore the impact they have had on our daily lives have been equal and sometimes even greater. You see, the only way to stop the exponential propagation of a COVID-like cyber threat is to fully disconnect the millions of vulnerable devices from one another and from the Internet. All of this in a matter of days. A single day without the Internet would cost our economies more than 50 billion U.S. dollars. And that's before considering the economic and societal damages should these devices be linked to essential services, such as transport or healthcare. As the digital realm increasingly merges with our physical world, the ripple effects of cyber attacks on our safety just keep on expanding at a faster pace than what we're preparing for. Co-
4: now, I want you to imagine a world where A cyber attack of this nature is a clear and present danger. Only now you've also accepted something like a neural link or some other form of electronic device. Right now, there are people walking around with pacemakers that are themselves connected to the Internet and open to attack. If you have a certain type of modern pacemaker, it's possible for someone to be able to hack into that pacemaker and induce a heart attack in you, essentially killing you. Uh, and as technology progresses and more and more people depend on medical devices that are connected to systems and networks, there's also uh, insulin pumps. That are implanted in people's bodies that are also open to attack because they're connected to the Internet uh, or to some other uh, system that is is manipulating the way that device works. It's entirely possible that something like this could happen. And uh, I have to be honest, I think that it would be a an easy go to for these people if they wanted to create some sort of mass panic. Interestingly enough, uh, Ron DeSantis, I guess, was, uh, warning of possible EMP strikes. Uh, and, you know, this would be a great time to remind you guys that, uh, one of the sponsors of the program is EMP Shield. Uh, and EMP Shield allows you to install a home-wide EMP shielding device that would stop your computer systems and all of your electronic devices uh, that are connected to the grid uh, from going out. If for some fashion, if, if for some reason they were able to produce an EMP uh, attack on America, it's EMPShield.com forward slash red pill 78. And then you can get $50 off if you use code RP 78. Now I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I'm just saying that this is a, this is a real thing that could potentially happen. Um, And uh, obviously, if there is a wide-scale EMP attack and you're out in the world, uh, then there's nothing you can do. Your phone's not going to work. Your car's not going to work. But at least if you had an EMP shield, then everything in your home would work. It's actually a military-grade technology that the U.S. military and the Department of Defense uses. But there really is no answer on whether or not this is what's happened. Um, You know, Ron DeSantis, I guess, uh, was speculating – Uh, imagine if we had an EMP attack. What would end up happening to the country? You're so naturally reliant on having cell service. It's a bit jarring to think about. And you can go to the DHS's website, and they warn about this as well. An electromagnetic pulse is a burst of electromagnetic energy produced by a nuclear explosion in the atmosphere or some other sort of EMP-type weapon. It's considered capable of widespread damage to power lines, telecommunications, and electronic equipment. Now, it doesn't even need to be uh, an EMP weapon. Uh, I mean, we've talked about the Carrington event here on the show before. I mean, that is a natural solar event a burst of solar radiation coming from the sun uh, that if it was to hit the Earth directly and uh, envelop the Earth, essentially every transformer and power line on the planet would burst uh, and uh, would no longer be any good. If we lose our ability to... Send electricity through the grid because we have a, a solar event like that, like the Carrington event. Well, then it would be decades before we were able to get that electrical grid back on track. So it, it would also become I- incumbent upon every single one of you to survive in the way that we've speculated you might have to survive uh, on so many different occasions. So I guess before we get into the second half of the show, Might as well just also say thank you not only to EMP Shield for sponsoring the show, but also to Oneness Drops for sponsoring the show. Oneness Drops, of course, is your chlorine dioxide water purification kits, and I was just looking for it so I can show it off. If the grid goes down, you're also not going to have clean water coming from your city or or from your County, your municipality, whoever it is who's providing it. So you definitely want to be able to make clean, fresh, potable water. Chlorine dioxide is two parts. It's a chemical reaction. You put them together. It does not produce bleach. It produces a novel chemical compound called chlorine dioxide. Uh, it's chlorine and oxygen in a specific bond. Uh, It is antibacterial. It's antiviral. I use it in my animal's water. I take it myself. I have mouthwash that I use. And uh, I I, I, I honestly wouldn't go anywhere without it. I think it's a must-have. So whether you keep it in your medicine cabinet or your go-bag, you definitely want to have it on hand. Uh, So – Onenessdrops dot com and use code RP seventy eight to save fifteen percent off of every order. And then of course uh survival food. If the grid goes down, if there is no supply chain any longer, you need to make sure that you have a way to feed you and your family. Head on over to prepare with redpill seventy eight dot com when you get there, you, right now, you can save $60 off a four week supply of emergency food. Uh, over 2,000 calories per, per person per day. Uh, it has a 25 year shelf life. You, basically, you, it's not going to go bad at any point as long as, you know, you keep it sealed up. Uh, but this is, uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So many different things to ensure that you and your family are going to be able to eat. Lisa and I have two years of emergency food on hand for both of us. So if anything happens, I got I got gold, I got silver, I got lead, I got food, I got water. I am not worried about what's going to happen. Also, interestingly enough, this is happening, and I just did that show with Praying Medic over the weekend. No matter what you think about Dave, that show was really interesting because we talk about all of these different scenarios that could potentially take place and how the cellular networks go down. Kind of crazy. And then finally uh oh uh, mypillow.com also, use code RP78 to save uh, up to 80% off of Mike Lindell's amazing American-made products. Uh, everything for your bathroom, everything for your bedroom. They now also have supplements uh, at uh, the My Store. whole bunch of different things you can get through MyPillow.com, and the code RP78 is going to be good to save on every single one of them. Of course, you will also be supporting the program if you support any of these sponsors, and you will also support these incredible American companies uh, in their efforts to provide quality, quality products to this amazing land of ours. Let me say thank you to Penny, who said, we didn't have cell service from 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Couldn't check outages because I had no internet. Couldn't make 911 calls either. I'm in Kentucky. Other people did have service on the same network. And, you know, that's like such a mystery. I'm glad you're okay. Anarchist Al, good to see you, buddy. He says, I have the perfect meme for you on this subject. I sent it to you. I didn't make it. I didn't make it. Also, God says, be not afraid. My faith is in him. Yes, This is an important message, and I always try to convey this as well. Uh, Do not be afraid of anything negative that might happen to you, because on a long enough timeline, guys, we're all going to experience something uh, pretty terrible at some point. Uh, The only thing you can do is prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And enjoy the ride, because in the end, I truly do believe that every single one of us will be taken care of. Also, if you haven't seen the shows I did with Penny, she had an incredible near-death experience. If that doesn't give you uh, hope and uh, a a little bit of comfort about what may come in the future, I I don't know what will. So definitely you want to see those and check out Nurse Penny's channel. Uh, Also, she says they have – they can hack hospital IV pumps, Zach. Oh, my God. Yeah, there are a lot of scary possibilities out there. Uh, I'm going to go real quick to Anarchist Owl's message so that I can take a look at this meme. Let me download it. And then once it's downloaded, I'll get it pulled up on screen. Okay, Uh, let me get this pulled up here. We're going to do a video source. Uh, We'll call it Owl. And we won't loop it. Let me add it in, add files for my downloads. Huh? Actually, I need to see where it is. Um, save as the desktop. OK
5: OK.
3: Mm -hmm. Owl. Here we go.
5: Okay.
0: To me, steady and wop up, wop steady
3: and wop it in and. up,
4: This is what you wanted me to play or not. I'm a little confused, I have to be honest. Uh oh, maybe this is it. Sorry, guys. So, <laughs> I'm so confused. Uh no, this is what you wanted me to play. Oh, year 2042, your Neuralink chips get hacked. Okay, so I'm I think I was right. All of those people are supposed to be Elon Musks. Okay, interesting, interesting. Okay. Uh, let me also say thank you to, uh, oh, Anarchist Alice says Neuralink gets hacked. LOL. Okay, I get it now. Uh, it, I, 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 I'm, I'm still confused by the meme itself. But regardless, let us continue with the topic at hand. I'm sure you guys remember swimmer Riley Gaines. She's been an outspoken critic of, uh, official sports allowing transgender women, which are men who identify as women, uh, to take part in official competitions. Uh, it, the, the, the damage done to these sports has been quite obvious. Oftentimes, men have a much greater physical advantage over women. In some cases, the women of these sports get hurt by that physicality that a man possesses, the the strength, the size, the speed, all of it. Uh, now, Riley Gaines was actually taken hostage several months ago by radical left wing trans activists. It was all caught on video. We discussed it here on the show. It was at San Francisco State University. Now, the police department there had been, up until this point, investigating the kidnapping. This would also be something that would fall under the purview of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. But of course, that woke organization is probably not interested in prosecuting a transgender kidnapping perpetrated against a champion U.S. swimmer any more than San Francisco State University's police department would as well. There was an alleged assault that took place. There was a hostage situation. There was a ransom that was demanded. And all of it was involving Riley Gaines. She was a victim of each of these crimes that I mentioned. So the police department, even though all of this was caught on video, they deemed that charges were, quote, unfounded, 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 Unfounded by what standard, the crimes themselves were caught on video. Can't believe this was almost a year ago now. April 2023, Riley Gaines, a former swimming champion, also an outspoken advocate for women in women's sports. She was ambushed. She was physically assaulted. There was a mob of left-wing trans activists that came and assaulted her. She had just given a speech on the importance of protecting women's sports there at San Francisco State University. They barricaded her into a third floor bathroom in a building for nearly three hours. They demanded money for her safe release. And in that video, which we've played here on the channel before, one of the activists can be heard in the video saying, tell her to pay us and then she can go. Ten bucks each. Let's go ahead and actually watch it so that we can remember what this was actually about.
6: And what we're hoping to do is
0: to keep things peaceful.
6: and Make her lose her
2: pride. And move, and move forward, okay? Yeah, no Tell we, her to pay she 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 us. Tell her to pay she us and then she can go. Ten bucks,
3: bucks each. I don't
0: know. Because
2: she probably got paid for this shit, so we could get paid for it
5: too. On a public campus that we
0: appeased. So what's the end goal here. So, what's next? So, Please. we get out. So, they need to
4: do their job. We created a path. The cops are right there. All of you, hopeful. when we're over talking each other, we're not like hearing. Don't other.
3: let her hold. No. Really <laughs> you don't have to use. There's
4: a
1: difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what, what we want to do is maintain what we're doing right now. <laughs> and, and as the speaker exists, we can continue our conversations.
4: Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous that they refuse to charge anybody in this. Now, Riley Gaines went to Twitter. She said the prisoners are running the asylum at SFSU. I was ambushed and physically hit twice by a man. This is proof that women need sex protected spaces. Still, it only further assures me I'm doing something right. When you want when they want you silent, speak louder. So Gaines was escorted from the venue by police. Uh, at the time, they were following her. They were aggressive. They were violent. There was one of the individuals who called her an effing bitch. Uh, and people were, of course, chanting about left-wing ideological causes. Uh, Riley is no longer a swimmer, to my knowledge, but she is the director of the Riley Gaines Center at the Leadership Institute. She's also the host of her own podcast. It's called Gains for Girls. You can find it on OutKick. I'm not familiar with OutKick. OutKick. Um, but uh she had been following up with the San Francisco State University police department uh and uh they basically blew her off uh, i guess that emails have been released and the police department responded indicating that the the case had been pending further investigation uh however they needed additional information from riley herself so even though I'm sure Riley provided all the information she had. I mean, what else do you need besides that video or perhaps even the testimony of the police officers who were present at the time that this assault took place? Uh, This was eventually suspended for lack of evidence. Uh, And that is despite the fact that Riley provided them an extensive account, her own testimony, personal experience of what took place that day, Uh, the police being present, the videos having been taken, uh, the fact that everybody was there for multiple hours. She said, I told them over and over and over and over and over again what happened. All the while, both of the officers that I was talking to were like, so it's not like they didn't know what happened. So I think that obviously this is a massive failure uh, by the San Francisco State Police Department. However, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised in the slightest. San Francisco is ultimately captured at this point. Uh, And it's, again, all the more reason why we need to make sure we speak out ...about things like this. This cannot be allowed to happen. However, our nation has been allowed to devolve to the point where this sort of thing is acceptable. And apparently, among these same left-wing radical groups, this is also the sort of thing that's acceptable. But thank God it's not acceptable to lawmakers and law enforcement officers in Arkansas. Another radical left-wing activist, a non-binary activist has just been charged with 20 counts of possession of child sex abuse material. Now, this is a woman in Arkansas, but she identifies as non-binary, and she was recently arrested uh, and revealed to be a trans activist by Andy Noe. Her name is Regina Allen, and she was arrested for possession of or viewing Sexually explicit material which depicted the abuse of children. She's been charged with 20 counts. She's got a bond of one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. No word yet on whether Kamala Harris is going to bail her out. Uh, and of course, she is the same sort of leftist scum that assaulted Riley Gaines uh, uh, last year Um Now, of course, we don't have much more information about it, but we were able to find some more details about her. She is a 27-year-old resident of the Little Rock area, and these allegations have been made against her. Uh, because she was I- involved in some seriously unsavory activity. This is her Twitter profile. Cherry waves, uh, Baffamedi Valentine is her name on here. Uh, Regina May Allen goes by the name of Ringo M. Valentine. Uh, the arrest took place on February 8th and she was booked into the Saline County Detention Center on these 20 felony counts of distributing, possessing, or viewing This said sick material she goes by the they them pronouns and uh, she resides specifically in Benton, Arkansas. She's got a pretty long trail online with her social media posts detailing her non-binary and trans activism Uh, here uh, in April of 2021. She wrote, stuck in my cis passing body prison because I'm scared of finding out if my doctors are too conservative or not. You can also see that she clearly has a mustache. I don't know what that's about. But the attorney general of Arkansas, Tim Griffin, released a statement about this sick pervert uh, and issued the uh, the following uh, special agents in my office's special investigations division arrested Allen after executing a search warrant at her home i'm grateful to the special agents in my office who investigated this case and thankful to the benton police department for its assistance my office will continue its fight against those who prey on arkansas's children uh, she was booked into the saline county detention center where she's currently being held pending that bond hearing i hope she never gets out of prison There's no such thing as a victimless crime when it comes to pedophilia and and child sex abuse material, because that child had to be abused to make that material. And that child is subsequently abused every single time somebody downloads, distributes or views that sex abuse material. It's uh, it's heinous. There's no other way around it. And I, 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 I don't know what's up with um, Arkansas and the punishment that they have on the books for sex abusers. Um, but let's hope, let's hope that they have the same sort of tough standards as we have down here in Florida because maybe she might find herself in the guillotine or the gas chamber. So here's a story I didn't actually report on uh, because I just didn't have time. But there was a 90 year old woman, she was a volunteer for the national uh, ms society multiple sclerosis obviously that's a, a charity you know they do research and uh, and and money raising for people with multiple sclerosis her name was fran itzkoff and she had been asked for pronouns or she had been demanded to use pronouns when speaking with other people there now she's 90 years old Okay. And she's gone her entire life where a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Uh, she was a little bit confused. She didn't know what the discussion around pronouns meant. And so the MS society basically fired her because they called her some sort of, uh, non, uh, conforming bigot, I guess. And she was attacked online. Uh, the same radical leftists that assaulted Riley Gaines went after her on social media. Uh, she is a resident of California and she's been volunteering at the MS Society for 60 years. Uh, she's also a, a a self-help group leader, and she had been asked by an unnamed worker at the uh, MS Society to use her preferred pronouns, and she replied that she did not understand the request. So the MS Society sent her an email telling her that the organization would no longer be affiliated with her group, NMSS, for her failure to abide by our diversity, equity, and inclusion guidelines. Well, you know, get on with you. F off. So at the time of the firing, uh, they said for more than 75 years, the National Multiple Sclerosis Society has advanced one bold vision a world free, of multiple sclerosis. Through thousands of volunteers, dedicated staff, and generous donors, we live that vision every day. We welcome anyone to join us to advance that mission. As an organization, we firmly believe that we best serve and support those living with MS by creating a space that welcomes all. This is especially true for self-help group leaders, of which Itzcoff is, who are responsible for leading meetings for people affected by MS to confide in and support one another. Recently, a volunteer, Fran Itzkoff was asked to step away from her role because of bold statements that were viewed as not aligning with our policy of inclusion. Fran has been a valued member of our volunteer team for more than 60 years. We believe that our staff acted with the best of intentions and did not bet and, excuse me, and did their best to navigate a challenging issue. As an organization, we are in a continued conversation about assuring that our diversity, equity, and inclusion policies evolve in service of our mission. And we will reach out to Fran in service of this goal. So essentially apologizing for firing a 90-year-old woman who doesn't understand this modern-day insanity that people are faced with. How stupid is this? A woman is given 60 years of her life dedicated to helping people with multiple sclerosis, and they fired her unceremoniously because she didn't understand what they them meant. Well, Fran, I hope that you can continue your work outside of the shackles of this radical left wing organization obsessed with diversity, equity and inclusion. I'm sure there are plenty of people out there with multiple sclerosis who will accept and appreciate the time and service you have devoted to not only this organization, but humanity as a whole, because. We should not be forced to abide by the insane ramblings of any other person. If I identify as a cat or a toaster and I tell you that the only thing I will accept is you calling me a cat or a toaster, I would hope that you would look at me like I am the crazy person I have just exposed myself to be. And the same is true for these radicals today that refuse to abide by societal norms that have been in place for generations, nay, for all eternity. They want to change the way the world works and not for the better. And I, my friends, am not going to go along with it. And I hope that you don't either. Now I'd like to switch gears and talk about... uh Uh, A tragic story coming out of New Zealand. This is a story about a politician who was instrumental in pushing for mass COVID clot shot vaccinations among the New Zealand people. New Zealand was one of the nations on Earth that had a near universal vaccination rate. Uh, Now, in the wake of the disastrous COVID-19 vaccine policies that were rolled out all over the globe, This man has just died suddenly. Perhaps turnabout is fair play, but I don't think we should take too much glee in the death of any of God's children. Efeso Collins, he's a member of the New Zealand House of Representatives, specifically for the Green Party. He's also a vocal proponent of covid-19 vax vax measures, and he passed away yesterday morning. He was 49 years old. And he was participating in a charity run to support child funds initiative to provide safe drinking waters to communities in the Pacific. He collapsed suddenly and despite medical attention and intervention immediately, emergency services were unable to resuscitate him and he was pronounced dead. Uh, now, His body laid there for some time, and luckily they had some privacy screens that allowed for uh, the people at this event to not have to stare at the corpse of a New Zealand bureaucrat who had essentially brought about his own death. But although the cause of death has not been determined or released yet, I'd say that we can be fairly assured that it had something to do with his own COVID-19 clot shot Initiation. Um, I guess recently he'd been vocal about a Vaxathon event where he described to a news organization a crucial call to action to encourage vaccinations. Uh, now, Only 3,000 of the 12,500 invitees secured a spot to make sure they got vaccinated for COVID-19 once again. Obviously, people are wising up. They understand that it's a useless and unnecessary and likely unhealthy treatment that you simply do not need to take. Another day, another down, another bureaucrat, another public official dying At their own hand because of the covid-19 clot shot. All right, guys, um, let me move on now to Congress. Got a couple of stories about Congress. Dan Goldman, he is one of the lawyers who is uh, responsible for the impeachment of President Trump, and he's also a representative now for the state of California. Uh, He has been a vocal, vocal critic of any efforts to investigate Joe Biden, his family and the Biden crime family as a whole. Uh, Now, he is the mouthpiece, along with Jamie Raskin. Uh, pushing this Russia hoax 2.0. And now that the Biden Justice Department has arrested and charged the FBI confidential human source who came forward with the information about the Biden crime family's Barisma $10 million bribe, Dan Goldman is asking the question. He's actually demanding that the DOJ investigate whether or not Chuck Grassley, Jim Jordan and James Comer were aware that this FBI informant was spreading Russian disinformation. Now, of course it is a baseless accusation. We don't even know if this truly is Russian disinformation at this point, but that's not going to stop Dan Goldman from taking advantage of this crisis. And of course, uh, putting these Republican scions into a position uh, of weakness. So, Uh, Goldman said the DOJ must investigate whether and when Grassley, Comer, and Jordan knew that Smirnov was spreading Russian disinformation. But now that it's public, Comer and Jordan clearly will be conspiring with Putin to interfere in the election if they continue with this bogus impeachment. Bullshit, Dan Goldman. Oh, no, doesn't work. Okay, Uh, so. Biden's DOJ arrested this FBI informant last week, and it's likely that if this is true, if it really is Russian disinformation, nobody knew about it. Okay, because all it was was a claim from an FBI confidential human source and all James Comer and Jim Jordan and Chuck Grassley were asking was for an investigation. The FBI sat on this information for nearly four years, and it wasn't until somebody, Chuck Grassley, released this FD-1023 to the public that anybody looked into it at all. And, of course, it should not surprise you that Joe Biden's Justice Department is the same one who decided that this guy lied to the FBI, and they charged him with it. And remember, they didn't charge Christopher Steele, and he totally freaking lied. We know that uh, with 100% certainty. So James Comer has responded. Comer's office responded, said, number one, we never knew the informant's name. Number two, we never talked to the informant. Number three, the FBI never gave us his name. And they redacted the FD-1023 because they said he was so important to an ongoing investigation. Need I remind you, this man was an FBI confidential human source for something like a decade, okay? He had given them good information in the past. There was absolutely no reason to believe that he was lying to them then. And I tend to believe that he wasn't lying at the time. The FBI told the committee and the Democrats that this informant was highly credible. So clearly this is another attempt by the Democrats, by Jamie Raskin, by Dan Goldman to once again obfuscate and misdirect Because, of course, they need their prize horse that's really deserving to go off to the glue factory. To remain as sparkly and clean as possible. But I believe Joe Biden will be fully exposed before too long. It's just a matter of time. Now, I'll tell you what Dan Goldman is not seemingly worried about. That is the influence of the Chinese Communist Party here in the United States of America. Now, Jim Banks is worried about that. He's also demanding that the DOJ perform an investigation into a very specific Midwest nonprofit that is undoubtedly connected to the Chinese Communist Party's influence network that they've been able to set up here in the United States with absolutely no fanfare and uh, uh, no efforts from the United States government to quell them or keep them from... Getting their hooks into the fabric of American society. Uh, there is also questions about whether or not uh, they violated the Foreign Agents Registration Act. So Banks sent a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland. Early today, asking the DOJ to look into this organization, the United States Heartland China Association. They are a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is bipartisan, uh, and their mission is characterized as building bridges and promoting opportunities between 21 U.S. heartland states and the nation of China. However, the USHCA leads trips to To China for Midwestern mayors in cooperation with organizations that are affiliated with a Chinese government influence arm. And they also employ a number of individuals belonging to these organizations. What happens is they will fly American mayors over to China. They'll wind them. They'll dine them. They will give them incentives, financial or otherwise, to do business with China. And then, of course, they may perhaps have the opportunity to compromise them in one way or another. Perhaps they provide women. Perhaps they provide children if they're those sites, those sorts of people. But this letter from Banks is asking the DOJ to determine whether or not they need to register under FARA because they require certain agents of foreign principals who are engaged in political activities or other activities specified under that statute to make periodic public disclosures of that relationship with that foreign principal, as well as making them aware of any activities, receipts and disbursements made in the support of that activity. Clearly, the USHCA is an arm of the Chinese Communist Party and the government of China. They are engaged in overtly political actions. They represent a foreign nation. They are working explicitly with political actors here in the United States. I don't see how they could not be forced to register for the Foreign Agents Registration Act. So Jim is asking them to investigate whether or not they have violated FARA uh, and revealed in this recent report from the Daily Caller, he references because FARA requires all U.S. residents acting as agents of a foreign nation to regularly file these public disclosures. And the UHSCA acts in concert with the United Front to expand the influence of the Chinese Communist Party within not only Indiana, which I believe is his home state, but also the Midwest of the United States. We've talked about this on so many occasions. We know that the Chinese Communist Party utilizes an influence network and an intelligence collection strategy all across the United States. Their specific group is called the United Front. They specifically target foreign actors and states uh, that are uh, potentially going to give up information. I give you Eric Swalwell and the honeypot Fang Fang. Feng Feng was not only sleeping with Eric Swalwell, she was also sleeping with a number of U.S. mayors, likely who probably also had collect connections with this organization that uh, Mr. Banks is referring to. The United Front is coordinated directly with the Chinese government's United Front Work Department. Uh, they oversee a number of subordinate organizations. They operate directly within the United States. But of course, uh, they're not complying with the laws of the United States and they don't openly discuss their influence over American political operatives. They don't op- they don't openly discuss their actions that they take to compromise individuals. I mean, this is spy craft, my friends. This is like the CIA operating clandestinely, non-governmental organizations and nonprofits in other countries and then using them to compromise local politicians to get information, to get favorable terms for business deals uh, or for any sort of opportunity that the United States might want to engage in uh, to get favorable terms for anything that they require. So this is a major problem. And I sincerely hope that That our government and our leaders take this seriously because China at this point has gained such an intense foothold here in the United States. It's difficult to separate the actions of the Chinese Communist Party and the actions of our own elected officials at this point. We also have new leaked documents specifically related to China's sweeping surveillance state. uh, And it's in regards to this very organization, so allegedly, there was a leak confirmed by two anonymous employees of an organization called iSoon. Uh, these are independent researchers, and they said, we believe that this is the authentic data of a contractor supporting global and domestic cyber espionage operations out of China. Also interesting that this report comes out, and then at the same time, we have these outages in the Internet and phone systems here in America. Isun is part of an economic system of contractors that has links to the Chinese patriotic hacking scheme developed two decades ago and has since gone legit. So this used to be a clandestine operation where Chinese individuals would try to hack into U.S. targets. But eventually it was absorbed by the People's Republic of China and the Chinese Communist Party. So in this trove of documents that was recently released was a list of targets that they sought for hacking and surveillance operations. That includes Chinese dissidents, ethnic minorities, overseas telecommunications firms in-state gambling companies, and world governments, and it's all been documented. These documents detail how iSoon collects data on their targets and then subsequently sells that information to Beijing. iSoon has an array of cyber tools that are being used currently by Chinese authorities they use them to quash opposition on social media. Uh, they use it to inundate social media networks with pro-Chinese Communist Party propaganda. Uh, Chinese authorities can take down anti-government posts using these very tools. Uh, and allegedly they're working to do it on X, on Facebook, on platforms where Chinese dissidents are still allowed to operate. Um, I had mentioned at the beginning of the show the uh, uh, tools that Google Is creating with Gemini. You, yesterday, when you could produce images on Google Gemini, curiously enough, it would not allow you to produce images that would depict the events of the Tiananmen Square massacre. It wouldn't allow you to even have that guy standing in front of the tank, that iconic photograph. Probably because Google is beholden to the wishes of the Chinese Communist Party and they don't want there to be any depictions of that stuff out there. But there is a, a huge interest in social media monitoring and commenting on behalf of the Chinese government. They are monitoring internet traffic all around the world and I've come across uh, Chinese influence operations on Twitter in the past. Uh, If you were to, I don't know, if if, if something was being reported on that was specifically negative towards the Chinese Communist Party or the People's Republic of China... And quite often, you would find mass armies of bots that would come in, maybe call you a racist or say that it's not fair that you're talking about these things. Uh, And, you know, I also uh, am reminded of just a couple of weeks ago, there was a group of Chinese spies that were operating in the UK, and they had demanded that British citizens stop recording them in a public space because they didn't want to have their identities revealed. Well, they walked into a live stream, and unfortunately, it's not illegal. Uh, to uh, to photo and video in public, either in the UK or here in the United States of America. Um, now, I soon also advertised an anti-terror operation in Xinjiang uh, province, and police were, in this instance, looking to track down Uyghur Muslims. The Uyghurs are an ethnic minority in uh, in the country of China. Uh, they're all across Eastern Asia, and they're the same ones that Chinese Communist Party officials have put into concentration camps. There is active genocide taking place against the Uyghur population. They're also the ones that are being used for the human organ trafficking trade. If you go to China and you want to get a brand new kidney or perhaps a new liver or maybe you need new retinas, uh, you're going to have those organs harvested from a Uyghur concentration camp victim. It's also how they have um, products that are so cheaply produced because they're being produced by slave labor. So once again... China is the greatest threat to the security and safety of American citizens. And I would hazard a guess and say to the citizens of the world, China is at this point our number one adversary and our elected officials have simply allowed them to come in. They left the door wide open. They gave them a house and then they gave them essentially millions of dollars and they just allowed them to do whatever they wanted. All right. We have some new information about the Fannie Willis case taking place down in Fulton County, Georgia. The judge, Scott McAfee, I've, I've mentioned here on the program that Judge McAfee and Fannie Willis used to work together. They were friends, they were acquainted. Well, it turns out it goes a little bit deeper than that. Looks like Fannie Willis is not the only one with ethical interests uh, that are being questioned in this trial. Uh, it looks like Judge Scott McAfee before he was appointed as a judge, uh, was donating to Fannie Willis's campaign. He's the judge presiding over the case that Fannie Willis is prosecuting. That's against Donald Trump. And he donated $150 to Fannie Willis back in June of 2020. This was while he was working at the U.S. Department of Justice. So the donation itself is more or less a token amount and was made prior to his becoming a judge, a legal analyst has said. The problem is Judge Scott McAfee never disclosed to the defendants that he had ever made political donations to the prosecutor overseeing their prosecution. So. This, in the same way that Fannie Willis' own ethical questions can be seen as a conflict of interest, Judge Scott McAfee's failure to disclose his own political donations to the woman who's trying to destroy Donald Trump and so many other people is also a appearing a conflict of interest. So likely this is now going to be also brought up in court in the same way that uh, Fannie Willis's clandestine affair with Nathan Wade and her financial benefit from this case have been brought up as well. Now, I believe that they're going to be asking for Judge Scott McAfee to recuse himself. Um, and I'm hoping that perhaps they get him to recuse himself before he makes a decision on Fannie Willis. And then perhaps that new judge will then go ahead and review the evidence against Fannie Willis. But they have to make sure that they that they put someone in there that doesn't have a connection to Fannie or this case or the Department of Justice or, you know, anything related to the efforts to take down President Trump. But we have not heard the last out of Fulton County. And we also have not heard the last out of the state of New York. Now, Alina Haba is speaking about the appeal that they are likely going to be making in this horribly unfair and biased ruling against President Trump. Uh, She spoke with Breitbart, and she said that she is thoughtfully and methodically responding to the ruling in this fraudulent fraud case against President Trump. She said it is going to be on the appeal. You can read it and weep. Of course, speaking about the aftermath of that three hundred and fifty five million dollar verdict where President Trump is being charged something like eighty seven thousand dollars in interest per day, uh, she said, let's just go to common sense because the order that you're reading is not common sense. It's absolutely absurd. For me to try to explain to you how Judge and Gorin got to this ridiculous number would mean I have to go speak about politics and the problem with the dual justice system and election interference right now. But the numbers are what they are. What bank, whatever, just write a check. So that's how they feel they had a right to come in under a consumer fraud statute that's never been used in this way and, they're, and butt their nose into two private, sophisticated individuals in a contract that has never been breached. No loan defaults, no loss of money, no victims, no damages. Obviously, this is all political. They want to take down President Trump. Letitia James is now supposed to value President Trump's properties. Obviously, she has a vested interest in destroying President Trump. So. Now she's going to say this is what Trump Tower is worth or this is what this is worth. And she's going to try to seize these properties from President Trump. And, of course, uh, Deutsche Bank would still do business with President Trump any day. Judge Gorin has made an explicitly political decision. The deck was stacked against President Trump from the very beginning. And this is going to have to be dealt with in the the quickest time possible because, as I said, $87,000 in interest per day is what they're charging President Trump. Now, as we've said so many times in the past, the efforts to take down President Trump, although they're distressing, although they are unfair, every single overt action to destroy President Trump, his campaign, his organization, has single-handedly added to the number of supporters that President Trump has all across the country. Now, President Trump gave a uh, uh, he did a town hall on Fox News uh, in South Carolina. That's where he went after that event that we saw President Trump arriving to. And it would appear at this point, undecided voters have now made up their minds. They are now going to be voting President Trump. Uh, five undecided voters were asked about their support for President Trump after this town hall was given, and uh, they were asked if they had switched their vote following that town hall. All five of them said that they are now supporting President Trump. It's the only sensible thing that you can do. This was, of course, after they also listened to Nikki Haley. None of them had changed their support to be for Nikki Haley. And it's hard to argue with that. President Trump has the best policies. He's got the record to support what those policies are going to do to fix America. We've also got what is potentially the worst president in the history of our country sitting in the White House right now. And every single avenue of destruction has been pointed directly at President Trump because they know they cannot beat him. And now you've also got additional unions that are pledging their support for President Trump. In addition, uh, Teamsters making their first donation in decades to the RNC. Uh, the DNC is no longer receiving their cash, but uh, it's been two decades, two decades since they have donated to the Republican National Committee. And in the same way that uh, these uh, formerly, you know, minority votes or what they call marginalized communities, people of color, they used to be guaranteed votes for the Democrat Party. Unions used to be guaranteed votes for the Democrat Party. Remember the other day they said the Teamster said 85 million votes we guarantee for President Trump uh, in November. Well, I don't think he's exaggerating. I I truly do believe that we are going to see a landslide record victory for President Trump come November. They're not going to be able to cheat. They're not going to be able to keep us from bringing our president back to right America, to right this ship. Now, I guess Tulsi Gabbard was bandied around as a vice presidential possibility the other day. I'm not one who is really focused on the argument of who should be President Trump's vice president. I trust him. I don't think anybody's going to change their mind about President Trump based upon who he chooses to be his running mate. It's basically the person who stands behind him the best. Uh, That's all they have to do. They just have to show up and be there with their name on the ticket. But I guess President Trump at his uh, event had suggested that she would be on the short list. Uh, that shortlist is made up of Vivek Ramaswamy, Ron DeSantis, Byron Donalds, Tim Scott, Kristi Noem, and Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, now, uh, clearly, a lot of people are wondering—you know—who he's going to pick. There's a lot of talking heads out there that are directly focused on this. Uh, It is interesting, however, that Tulsi Gabbard is going to be hosting a fundraising event for President Trump at Mar-a-Lago next month. Uh, So that could be a signal that Tulsi is the one he's choosing. Uh, And it would be an interesting pick. I know it would piss a lot of you off. However, I also know it's not going to change your mind on supporting President Trump. Tulsi Gabbard, if that's President Trump's choice, I will accept it. And I think that's what all of us should be willing to say. Now. Uh, Claire McCaskill, she's hated President Trump forever, and she's really upset about the uh, increasingly contentious coverage that the Biden regime is receiving in the mainstream media. It's like the gloves are off. The mask is off. Everybody knows that Joe Biden is not legitimate, that Joe Biden, his presence in Washington, D.C., is the worst thing that you guys, uh, that any of us could experience. Uh, and she's now demanding that nationwide newspapers stop reporting on the bad things that joe biden is doing instead she wants them to uh fact check president trump well you know they did that throughout the entirety of president trump's time in office and they've done it a fair amount since he left office as well um she says that uh i guess oh you know what there's a there's a video clip hold on let's watch the video if you have i
5: have to get past the ad hundred times you see
0: american companies still exceeding in terms of their global reach but you know what they really look down their nose at they look down their nose at donald trump being the leader i mean what they everyone says to you when you travel well you wouldn't elect him again would you um hasn't the country learned
4: i think that that's not true i think claire mccaskill is pulling that out of her ass she is 100 percent making that up you sure about that You sure about that? You sure about that? Yeah, yeah, I'm not so sure about that, Claire. I think everybody around the world recognizes that Donald Trump was good for America. Donald Trump is good for the world. You've got world leaders who are clamoring for the return of Donald Trump because the world is on fire. And it's on fire because Joe Biden lit a match and threw it on the ground after emptying emptying a can of gasoline.
0: Wouldn't ever give this guy power again, would you? Tell us that he's not going to be reelected. Please tell us that you've learned your lesson. So the only blemish on the great country of America worldwide is, in fact, Donald Trump. And can I make a suggestion? I move that every newspaper in America quits doing any fact checks on Joe Biden until they <laughs> fact check Donald Trump every morning on the front page.
4: OK, well, you know, the only thing is, Claire, Joe Biden's the one standing at that podium. Joe Biden's the one who's making decisions about who to kill and who to screw over. Now, this is an incredibly, incredibly obvious series of, uh, of, of copes that Claire McCaskill, she's grasping at straws because she knows that Joe Biden is screwing the pooch. Joe Biden is handing Donald Trump. The presidency and in due course, proving everything we've ever said about the corrupt nature of this failed establishment that Donald Trump warned us about when he was running for president back in 2015. I think maybe I want to end tonight's show with the speech that got Donald Trump elected. Before we do that, though, I got to tell you, Jim Biden screwed the pooch yesterday as well. The Biden family is all too adept at screwing things up. Now, up until this point, they have had total coverage, okay, because Joe Biden, as corrupt as he is, the Biden crime family, as corrupt as they were, they had the coverage, they had the shadow, the camouflage of the federal government and the bureaucracies that they were able to operate in, and they overplayed their hand. Well, I, I did a little bit of coverage on Jim's opening statement yesterday, but what's most interesting to me is the questions and answers uh, that the committee was able to get out of him. Do you remember Hunter Diamond's di- Excuse me, Hunter Biden's diamond. There was an $80,000 diamond that Chairman Yi Xiaoming, the effing spy chief of China, that Hunter Biden was on voicemail or, or recording discussing. Uh, he gave a diamond uh, to Hunter Biden, and it was actually not just one. It was a number of diamonds, but one of them, at least, was worth roughly $80,000. CEFC Chairman Yi Ming in February 2017 gave Hunter Biden an $80,000 diamond. I don't believe Hunter Biden ever claimed that as any sort of benefit from his relationship with CEFC, the Chinese Communist Party Associated Energy Company that Hunter and Joe were trading American policy for in order to get favorable conditions. So Hunter got the first diamond when Joe Biden was vice president, and that was to entice him to initially do the business with CEFC. Hunter ended up giving it to James to have it appraised. However, James testified yesterday that he threw it away. Does anyone believe that James Biden threw out an $80,000 diamond? I'm not buying it. You sure about that? No, definitely. I'm not sure about that at all. So you had suspicious activity reports that were discovered by the committee back in March, uh, and Rob Walker, of course, testified. He, he received $3 million in wire transfers from CEFC, and then he gave that money to members of the Biden crime family, Hunter, James, Haley, and then this as-yet-unidentified Biden he got a collective $1.3 million out of that $3 million wire transfer. So the source that is giving us this information said that initially James uh, was not part of this deal with Rob Walker, or at least that's what James claimed. Uh Hunter, James Gillier, and Tony Bobolinsky were all involved. But when he was presented with an agreement that had his signature on it, James Biden was forced to change his testimony. That's right. Initially, James Biden testified under oath that he had nothing to do with this deal between all of these individuals and Chinese Communist Party-affiliated energy company CEFC. The only problem is that there was a paper trail, and Jim Biden was forced to revise his testimony live on the stand. Now, of course, he claimed... He didn't recall ever signing that agreement. He also appeared not to recall when Joe Biden met with the family's business associates, something that Joe Biden has always maintained never happened. James said Joe never met with business associates, but we actually were able to produce messages yesterday during his own testimony that contradict James Biden's claim. In fact, a previous witness testified to the fact that, yes, in fact, Joe Biden did have physical and electronic communications with these business associates. Now, James also told the impeachment inquiry that Joe never had any involvement or direct or indirect financial interests. Of course, that claim comes after the House Oversight Committee chairman, James Comer, had found that $200,000 check, the check that was given to Joe Biden. On the on the exact same day that Jim Biden received that six hundred thousand dollars from AmeriCorps, that bank. So in his testimony, James confirmed there's no documentation for these alleged loans that Joe Biden provided him. There was no interest that was charged. James Biden said he called the law firm Monsac, Mersky, and Browder. And he requested money from Joe Biden's bank account. James Biden does not know if that money came from Joe Biden's corporation, Celtic Capri, or his personal account. And the law firm that's associated with James Biden, Hunter Biden, and Rob Walker's own LLCs, which means they're directly involved in these business dealings as well. Well, of course, they're going to have a vested interest in covering for James Biden. Now, we had two checks that the Oversight Committee produced yesterday during James's testimony from James and Sarah Biden. Both of them were written to Joe Biden, and they were both labeled as loan payments. And, of course, on March 1st of 2018, that's when AmeriCorps uh, wired a $200,000 loan into James and Sarah Biden's personal bank account. It was not sent to their business bank account. It was that same day that Joe Biden got a check for $200,000 from his brother, Jim. And we have no record that there was any sort of loan that was ever in place. Now, on September 3rd of 2017, Joe also received $40,000 in Chinese money from the account of his brother, James Biden, and his sister-in-law, Sarah Biden. That was also in the form of a personal check. Now, James also testified that he took out loans from Democrat donors, and did not fully repay them. That includes receiving eight hundred thousand dollars in loans from Joey Langston. He only gave back four hundred thousand. And then James also received nine hundred thousand dollars in loans from a man by the name of John Hyansky. He still owes him a hundred grand. It sounds to me like James Biden was proven to be a liar and a fraud while on the stand yesterday. And I am so happy to learn that the committee members were able to confront him with evidence that proved he was not telling the truth. All right, it's only a matter of time until the Biden crime family is fully exposed and we get justice. That may be in January of next year. It may be a continued digression from where we are right now throughout the remainder of Joe Biden's testimony. But my friends, I truly do believe these people are going to pay not only for what they've done to Donald Trump, but to us and to America as well. They're going to answer for their crimes. All right, you guys, uh, thank you so much to everyone who has been here with us today. Hopefully, uh, the internet is completely fixed by tomorrow. I'm going to go through the final thank yous over here from our friends over on PILD.net. Also, I got a notification late last night that someone had donated on Ko-Fi as well. Thank you very, very much. CyberXSpeed says, Do you play any Steam games on your Mac? I don't play Steam games on my Mac. I have a Windows PC where I do have a Steam account. And, yes, I uh, I I do have a bunch of Steam games, but I don't often get to play. I maybe get to play video games once every couple of months. But, yes, I have a Steam account. If you want to send me an email, let's hook up and we'll play some stuff. Uh Thick Ray, hashtag the truth is loose. Net folks Thank you for the cookie. Nakaz808 says, Aloha. Check my text messages later. Okay, I will do that. Filter Dog One, thank you for the shades. Thank you, Sean Joe. Thank you to Just Duckies, who says much love and God bless. Uh, thank you to Jesse, 81138. Thank you to Drug Thank you to Sean Joe and Jesse again. Thank you to Tomcat, not the same Tomcat from over there on Rumble, Tom, I don't know if you're listening, but I haven't seen you commenting in the chat. I don't know if you've tried yet. I'll ask uh, Lisa to check our messages later. Thank you to Sean Joe. Thank you to Linz It. Thank you to Just Duckies, who says Kate Awakening just pointed out a couple of deltas yesterday about tests. Could be outages related, day be related. I saw that uh, uh, Stormy Patriot Joe had also uh, pointed to those as well. Uh, it, it likely could be. Um, but, uh, I'm still waiting to see what the, uh, the full pan out is. Uh, because, you know, it could just as easily be something that's totally unrelated. Uh, so we'll see. We'll, we'll revisit it over the weekend, probably. Uh, thank you to Sean Joe and Thick Ray. Hashtag the truth is loose. Dropped a cookie as well. Space Cookie says, thank you for your hard work, Zach. Much love. And then Nikaz says, he we need Tulsi as a governor or senator for Hawaii and General Flynn for VP. I think we need General Flynn in a much more powerful position within the intelligence community so that he can clean up all of that rot. I think we need General Flynn and Kash Patel in the intel community. Uh, and uh, I, I could, I would be happy with Tulsi as a, a governor or a senator in Hawaii once again. Um, but I think that we're probably going to be revisiting several people from President Trump's past cabinet. They're going to be coming back. I think Kash Patel for CIA, I think it would be, Perfect irony. If General Flynn was given the FBI director position and uh, and I just I don't know, I, I don't know who would make a good vice president. I don't like I said, I don't think it really matters. I mean, there if they put someone in that position as vice president, it would have to be uh, and it was somebody important. Uh, you know, President Trump might have some sort of uh, job that he is interested in that vice president doing Um and so you know uh, i i don 't know i don 't know we'll have to see all right you guys that 's all I got for you today. Let me pass out these gold pills, and then uh, hopefully I will see you tomorrow at nine p m on a Friday night live stream. Uh, our good friend uh, is a, a good friend of the program is going to be there uh, code herder to talk to us about the Urantia reader uh, and I look forward to getting all of that information. Check out the new user interface at PILD.net. It is completely different and it works really, really well and it looks beautiful. So thank you to the guys over there at PILD. Thank you to everyone, no matter where you're watching. I love you. See you. Appreciate you. Good luck. God bless.